Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Buckle up. A major trade shift in U.S.-China trade relationships. Headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak within the last 60 seconds. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin telling reporters that China trade talks saw a big change in direction and not the direction that Wall Street, paraphrasing now, uh, not the direction that Wall Street had been advocating for, because the U.S. is set to increase China tariffs on Friday. Headline crossing the Bloomberg terminal within the last 90 seconds. The U.S. is set to increase China tariffs on Friday. This doubling down in what President Trump had tweeted over the weekend, according to Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, the traders... As the president refers to them as, they were in Beijing last week. They are back, and now it looks like these trade talks are set to escalate. We have the latest. We will dive into the politics, the policy. We have every which angle covered on what it means from the business perspective as well as up on Capitol Hill. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, the ongoing saga with the Judiciary Committee members, including House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, a Democrat from New York. Can he get special counsel Bob Mueller to testify? I'll bring you the latest on that front, too. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My guests with me uh, for the hour in studio, Molly Mitchell, director at Hamilton Place Strategy. She's also the former Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee Director of Media Affairs. And Matt Gorman, he is the vice president at Targeted Victory and the former NRCC Communications Director. So Molly and Matt, they're used to going at it politically. It's like a blast from the past and probably a glimpse into the future. But before all of that, let's first get a look on the headlines from Nancy Lyons. Nancy? Thanks, Kevin. Well, President Trump's ex-lawyer and fixer has begun serving his three-year prison sentence for crimes, including campaign finance violations related to hush money payments made on Trump's behalf. Michael Cohen arrived earlier today at the federal prison in Otisville, New York. That's about 70 miles northwest of the Big Apple. He spoke to reporters, though, as he left his Manhattan apartment. I hope that when I rejoin my family and friends, that the country will be in a place without xenophobia, injustice, and lies at the helm of our country. There still remains much to be told. 
Nearly 400 former federal prosecutors have signed on to a letter saying that President Trump would have been charged with obstruction of justice if he were anyone other than the president. The letter was signed by Justice Department prosecutors who served under both Democratic and Republican administrations. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the Trump administration is intensifying pressure to get Iran to behave like a normal nation. He spoke after the administration's decision to move an aircraft carrier group to the Middle East in response to what it said were threats of a possible Iranian attack on U.S. or allied interests. We have continued to see uh, activity that leads us to believe that there's escalation that may be taking place. And so we're taking all the appropriate actions, both from a security perspective and well as Um, uh, our ability to make sure that the president has a wide range of options in the event that something should actually take place. The U.S. has ordered the USS Abraham Lincoln Carrier Strike Group to move to the Middle East about two weeks ahead of schedule. Players on the West Point football team received the Commander-in-Chief trophy today at the White House. Their coach, Jeff Monken, was thrilled for the opportunity. We thank you for inviting America's team here to the White House, to our nation's capital, once again for the second straight year, except the Commander-in-Chief's trophy, which we consider the most coveted award in college football. The Army Black Knights received the trophy for defeating both the Air Force and Navy football teams. Maryland's favorite delicacy appears to be on the rebound. We get more on that from Bloomberg's Nathan Hager. Juvenile crabs in the Chesapeake Bay are nearly twice as plentiful as they were a year ago. The Baltimore Sun reports the latest annual Bay Crab Population Survey counts nearly 600 million crabs, 190 million of which are spawning-age females, a 29% increase from the previous winter. The Maryland Department of Natural Resources says the female blue crab count is close to target. The juvenile population is above average. In a statement, DNR Secretary Jeannie Hathaway-Riccio says the blue crab population is both healthy and thriving, which is great news for the entire Bay. Nathan Hager, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Time now for the Beltway Business Report. For that, we go to Bloomberg's Larry Kofsky. Well, Nancy, stocks began the session with a sharp sell-off after President Trump threatened to escalate the U.S.-China trade war. But the market reversed most of its losses by the close. The Dow Jones Industrial Average tumbled 66. The S&P 500 slipped 13. The Nasdaq Composite fell 40. Shares of AIG are sharply higher in late trading. The insurer snapped a six-quarter losing streak, posting a first-quarter profit of nearly $1.3 billion. Earnings more than doubled from a year ago, beating expectations. The rich get richer. The government says most U.S. households saw higher incomes last year. Only the bottom 20% was left behind, seeing a 2.2% decline. Lyft fell 3% to begin a crucial week. The company is set to report its quarterly results tomorrow, while rival Uber is expected to make its Wall Street debut later this week. Ride-sharing drivers are planning a two-hour strike on Wednesday. The Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. area stock index fell four-tenths of one percent. You're up to date on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Larry Kofsky. This is Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Larry. Global news 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Now back to you, Kevin, and that big trade story. Breaking news tonight, Nancy. The headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal within the last 10 minutes or so. (coughs) President Donald Trump's top trade negotiators say the U.S. plans to raise tariffs on Chinese goods on Friday. They have accused Beijing of backpedaling on commitments it made during 
negotiations. A Chinese delegation is coming, well, they're set to come to the U.S. on Thursday and Friday. Uh, This, according to U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, he told reporters that uh, just within the last hour, I'm going to bring you the news as it happens, as we sort through the politics and the policy of this. I'm joined in studio uh, for the hour by Molly Mitchell. It's her first time on the program. She is director at Hamilton Place Strategies, but she's the former Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee director. Uh, and Matt Gorman, uh, a friend of the program, he's the vice president at Targeted Victory. He's the former NRCC communications director. Molly, I'll start with you because when you look at how this trade story has played out within the last 48 hours, in particular, seeing President Trump tweet on Sunday and then doubling down this morning, signaling that he is going to increase tariffs. This goes against what Beijing wants. It also goes against what Republicans want. No, it's it's really interesting because I think strategically this is ironically sort of a bipartisan issue. We saw Chuck Schumer tweet out basically at a boy at President Trump and really hang in there with China that you have to be tough. And I think Obviously, President Trump feels like he has the upper hand, that the economy is strong, the markets are really strong, and that he can double down. And I think it sort of plays out differently along political lines. If you're in Iowa and you're a farmer, this may not be really great for you, you know, but for other people uh, in Pennsylvania and Michigan, I think they really like the doubling down on China. So it's going to be interesting. Not a lot of 2020ers have responded to this yet, but how the people running against him respond. Matt, but when you look at the pressure within the Republican Party to not have tariffs, I mean, last week we had the CEO on from Gregory's Coffee, for example, and he said that it's not just a big business story. It's also a small business story. Everything from commodities in particular, it's having an impact on supply chains. It's impacting the the, the paper cup to make coffee. It's obviously impacting large businesses. It's obviously impacting steel and aluminum tariffs and whatnot on a host of different trade fronts, but specifically with China. Can the president continue to raise tariffs without risking alienating Republicans in his own party? I think it's twofold. Number one, in the short term, you're going to see, you're going to see the street react to this in the short term. I think that them coming on Fridays, this is going to be a negotiating tactic in the long term. But when you talk about the party, for the most part, you know, Fortunately or unfortunately, I think free traders have really become a distinct minority in the party because of Trump. I think what you're seeing now is kind of the more protectionist wing of the party, at least when it comes to China. But remember, Romney in 12, when I worked for him, was always very uh, hawkish on China and, and talking about currency manipulation and the like. Now, in the long term, you're right. You talk about the paper cups and, and, the, and the small businesses. In the long term, this needs to not affect the economy for President Trump to be successful. Headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal now that that the U.S., according to President Trump, U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, as well as Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, planning to increase tariffs on Friday, a doubling down of sorts, this after a dramatic shift, according to the nation's top two trade negotiators, in trade talks with the Chinese. The state of the trade talks were cast into doubt after President Trump's surprise announcement on Twitter on Sunday that he's going to raise tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese good to 25%. Currently, it's at 10%. Now, all of this is set to increase 
on Friday. The president is also threatening an additional uh, to impose duties on additional $325 billion worth of Chinese goods that aren't currently covered. And that would really hit essentially all imports from the Asian nation. This according to my colleague Sean, Sean Donnan uh, on the Bloomberg Terminal. Uh, my colleague Jonathan Farrow of Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio really alerting us to something that is something that also caught my eye, which is you've got Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer talking to reporters within the last hour, and they did not say that they have spoken to their counterpart, Chinese Vice Premier Lue Hua, within the last 24 hours. Wow. Wow. Think about that. Liu Hua is the top China negotiator of the nation's top, of the world's second largest economy behind the United States. He's like the, the Treasury Secretary of China. President Trump tweets Sunday, you get these major, major developments. Obviously, there are back-channel negotiations going on. But Molly Mitchell, they're not even talking to the counterpart. What does that tell you about the state of play? I think that tells us that Trump really feels like they have the upper hand. I feel like they think that I think really to Matt's point earlier, he really hit the nail on the head. Right. If he if it if it's if it affects the street for a short term and long term, it goes well, then Trump. This is perfect. This really plays to his base on being Trump on China. And it's great for him for reelection prospects. I think if it doesn't, then it's not, you know. I don't know, Matt, because when I talk to Republicans up on Capitol Hill, I mean, whether it's uh, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley or even the likes of Senator Kevin Kramer, I mean, these are Republicans. I mean, they are getting hammered by the business community not to have these tariffs. This is not the direction heading into the final lap that we had anticipated. And I'm telling you, I have like the ghost of Milken casting a shadow over this whole conversation because there was a headline last week from the president's chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. And he said, we're going to know one way or another in the next couple of weeks, whether or not there's going to be a deal. That was a very slight shift, but it was a shift nonetheless Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, it, it looked like the president and China, they wanted to get to some type of deal But this was essentially almost a warning sign and a bell of sorts that said there might not ultimately be a deal. Well, again, I think separating the the negotiating tactics from the reality, I think not talking to the Treasury Secretary, but going going through the press, I think that's – I would take that as a negotiating tactic. And you're right. You want to talk about grassies. Molly made a good point. Of course, I was going to be hammered by that, not just by the business community, but by by the agricultural side of things. And, and look, I think you're right. Like, if the tariffs start affecting the economy, that is a huge problem for him in 2020. We saw, you know, the great economic news on Friday. But if that starts to tick down, the rationale for his reelection starts becoming more precarious. And also, I think we can't lose sight of the whole Mueller bar fiasco. I mean, this plays to Trump's benefit if we're focused on China and the play-by-play of trade negotiations. I think this is a blessing for Trump in many ways, whether or not this negotiation tactic will be fruitful. We'll have to wait and see. We're going to come back to this. Sarah McGregor, my colleague, she's like literally finishing hammering out stories for the Bloomberg Terminal as we speak. But she's going to join us uh, coming up later on in the show. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about Mueller and uh, Barr coming up. Uh, Molly Mitchell stays. She's director at Hamilton Play Strategies, former 
Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee Director of Media Affairs. And Matt Gorman also stays Vice President at Targeted Victory and former NRCC Communications Director. I'll stay too. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg Television and Radio Chief Washington Correspondent. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Happy Tariff Monday. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. There still remains much to be told. And I look forward to the day that I can share the truth. That was Michael Cohen, the president's former personal attorney and longtime fixer. He went to jail today. He, of course, had pleaded guilty to eight counts total, including five counts of tax evasion and one count of making a false statement to a financial institution. He's headed to jail. He's got a three-year sentence, uh, a 36-month prison sentence, at a federal prison called FCI Otisville. Otisville, Otisville. Uh, It's about 70 miles northwest of the Big Apple in New York City. Uh, With me for the hour, Molly Mitchell, director at Hamilton Place Strategies and former Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee director of media affairs. Matt Gorman is a vice president at Targeted Victory. He's a former NRCC communications director. Matt, not a good look. Not a good look, but he's sharing a a facility with Billy McFarlane, a Firefest fame, and the situation. So I think what they need is (laughs) Wait, 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 the situation from the the Jersey Shore? Yeah, Uh, they they need some type of reality show, (laughs) and they could probably pay back people that you know i would host this yeah. reality show yeah, we have to out get the money to from the firefest they can all the proceeds can go to that i think it'd be great by the way my favorite documentary on the netflix is is that documentary oh, who's better uh, uh, the hulu I, one, I would yeah. use they paid the guy i don't i, I like journalism at okay. uh, molly <laughs> yeah. i want to stick with this it's not a good look it's not a good look to have and i, I do want to no. say by the way this prison where mike Santor, santorini i think is his last sorrentino sorrentino so it's been a while with a fact check uh, oh, on oh, let's situation, go. Sure. But let's go. And also and also where michael cohen it, forbes named it one of the top 10 cushiest prisons in america wow how do you research that i know that's true I don't know. <laughs> but it's not a good look, Malls. No, no, it's 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 really bad. I mean, the whole thing and then today that, um, you know, now President Trump doesn't want Mueller to testify. I mean, it's I'm it's, glad you brought that up. Do you think he, I, I take it you disagree with the president? I, I disagree. But I think this really just showcases Trump's whole noncompliance strategy here. He wants to hammer home to his base that the Democrats are investigating him and it's unfair and then he'll stall and, and sue and, and make sure that it tries to go through the courts before it affects 2020, before anything, you know, before we can see his tax returns. Uh, and I think if the economy holds, that strategy could definitely help him. Although it is interesting, going back to our earlier conversation, the economy is great. The market is really strong. And yet we're not talking about that. We're talking about tariffs on China and other well, things. Well, what, so. I, what I just don't understand here, Matt, is that to Molly's point, on Friday, the president says it's a take. Actually, let's let the president speak for himself. Here's President Trump on Friday about whether or not special counsel Bob Mueller should testify. Here he is. I don't know. That's up to our attorney general, who I think has done a fantastic job. So then sign of the times yesterday, I'm sitting in the chair 
to getting ready to go on MSNBC and literally they get in my ear and they're like, the president just tweeted reversing his position on uh, whether or not Bob Mueller should testify. He tweeted on Sunday afternoon. He says that that Bob Mueller, quote unquote, should not testify before Congress. No redos for the Dems. Why is he saying that, Matt? I mean, what is the political calculation here? Well, I think he wants to get this off the front page. However, look, I think counterintuitively, one thing Molly and her team at the D-Trip did very well in 2018 was they kept the focus on health care. They kept the focus on kitchen table type issues. That's what they won on. So I think with the danger for Democrats, and I don't think Trump would agree with this, but I think the danger for Democrats is if, if this Congress, all of it becomes known as Mueller tax returns, it drowns out the sun – they're not talking about health care. They're not talking about gun control, things that won races for them in 2018. They're not talking about trade. And by the no. way, there's a clear divide within the Republican Party on trade. The major headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal just within the last hour that the U.S. plans to increase China tariffs on Friday. We're going to have much more coming up on these breaking trade headlines. Panel stays Molly Mitchell, Matt Gorman. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sounds On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com on the Bloomberg Business app. Check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Breaking news tonight. President Trump's top trade negotiators say the U.S. is planning to raise tariffs on Chinese goods on Friday. There were major trade talks last week with U.S. Trade Representative uh, Bob Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. They were in Beijing. They come back from Beijing. We got this tweet on Sunday that President Trump, he, he kind of you know raises the, the warning sign that he's not happy with, with how things are going. Then he tweets again this morning he's going to increase tariffs on Friday. Buckle up, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm joined in studio by Molly Mitchell, Director at Hamilton Place Strategies and former Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee Director of Media Affairs, and Matt Gorman, Vice President at Targeted Victory and former NRCC Communications Director, and of course my colleague uh, Sarah McGregor. She is the U.S. Economic Policy Team Leader, and... Even as these headlines are breaking, uh, Sarah, we just got another red headline on the Bloomberg terminal. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin does not release President Trump's taxes as a court fight now looms. I don't think there was a surprise on that front with the taxes, no? No, I think that, um, you know, today there was some hope, but again, it's been dashed. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get – right, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the politics of uh, the White House not releasing Trump's tax returns again surprising no one, uh, Democrats or Republicans. The Democrats want them. We're going to talk about that coming up. I want to stick with trade, Sarah. Walk us through what this means on Friday, in particular, what markets are going to be impacted by this trade increase, tariff increase. Yes. So, of course, we had Trump's tweet yesterday, which took everyone by surprise, announcing he was going to increase these tariffs. But what's new today in just the past few minutes is that Trump's top 
Trade Advisor, Robert Lighthizer, the Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin, they've told us this is happening. They said 1201 Friday, these tariffs are taking effect. So this wasn't just a, a tweet that Trump put into the Twitter sphere. This is actually um, something that's happening. And then and along with that, they've also told us that the Chinese delegation that had planned to come here this week for what was looking like would be the final round of trade talks, they're still coming. So as these tariffs are, are taking effect on Friday at 12.01, it's literally going to be smack dab in the middle of these Thursday-Friday trade talks with the Chinese. And then we also hear, Sarah, that Liu Hua is the, top, the, the Chinese vice premier of uh, the top trade negotiator for China, that he wasn't even talking to Mnuchin or Lighthizer within the past 24 hours. That's what Mnuchin and Lighthizer told us. They, they're so under who the are they talking to? <laughs> uh, we're not sure. They didn't give us that detail. That was a question we had. Um, they have well, I, Bloomberg, I suppose... us Bloomberg reporters know how to. <laughs> <laughs> but it illustrates it. it illustrates a broader point, which is that you have these top officials coming on th- on Thursday and Friday of this week. So either this is a last ditch effort, or it's a trade ta- or a negotiation tactic. What do you think it is? Um, it could be both. <laughs> I think I, uh, you know, Trump's under a lot of pressure to get a great deal. I think he's really sort of puffed up the fact that you know the U.S. is going to go hard on China. This is going to be different than anything ever before. There's going to be an enforcement mechanism to make sure that if China breaks the rules, that the U.S. can hit back and not face retaliation. You know, he's made a lot of pretty specific promises, and if the deal falls short of that, he's going to face a lot of p- political pressure. Well, at the same time, if he doesn't get any deal, he's going to have to hit the campaign trail for his reelection still sort of harping on China but having failed, um, you know, getting something out of them in this year-long trade war. Sarah McGregor is the U.S. economic policy team leader. We're talking about the breaking news uh, crossing the Bloomberg terminal headlines tonight uh, about the president's decision to increase tariffs on Friday, 12.01 a.m. Friday, on a host of different billions of dollars worth of Chinese goods. This, as a Beijing trade delegation, is set to come to the United States. Standard and Poor's 500 futures fell on the news, along with trade-sensitive stocks, including Caterpillar, Apple, Deer, uh, as well. I mean, you look at the supply chains on this. The business community, Sarah McGregor, does not want to see these tariffs. And it sounds like the issue of tariffs and whether or not they're going to even stay in place when an agreement is reached, if reached, it, it, it is, is shaping up to be one of the definitive issues. It's one thing the president has already, we should note, increased tariffs on Chinese goods despite the protests from the business community. One of the issues now in the last leg, fourth quarter, overtime really, of the U.S.-China trade talks is how to remove those tariffs uh, if they get to an agreement. No. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we were just talking about the business community, like the the number one killer for a business is uncertainty. And so you have right now the business community thinking, oh, there's these talks taking place. Maybe at least some of the tariffs will be removed. There'll be a path for this to happen. You know, we can get our business and supply chains back on track. And then, boom, Trump sends a tweet. Oh, wait, there's going to be more tariffs, higher tariffs. And Trump, again, in his tweet on Sunday, said, you know, he, he revived this threat of putting tariffs on all Chinese goods. So that's going to hit your iPhones, your Nike sneakers, consumer goods, TVs, children's toys. And that's um, also your retirement savings. On. I mean, let's not forget a lot of these these stocks are wrapped into people's 401k and, and their retirement savings in particular. I mean, it's, it, it, we, we talk about the consumer price and how small businesses are impacted by these tariffs, but also some of these stocks, Apple, Caterpillar, John Deere, Boeing. 
Yeah, and we've seen, you know, there was a lot of market volatility when the trade talks, you know, there'd be an up arrow, down arrow days for the trade talks, but <laughs> things seem to have been pretty okay for the U.S. market. What's today? A big down arrow. <laughs> <laughs> red, everything's in the red. Um, and, you know, I think that, that kind of leveled off this year. It looked like actually there were sort of adults at the table negotiating things, something might get worked out. And, you know, it's also helped by the U.S. economy looking a bit stronger. First quarter growth was great. Job numbers are great. But again, I mean, if these talks are scuttled, trade is often cited as the number one risk for economic forecasters. And if trade starts to tank, these trade talks start to tank to world's two biggest economies. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of nervousness, a lot more people, uh, you know, relooking at their recession outlooks and forecasts and thinking about, you know, oh boy. What, what's next. You're saying the R word. All right. Sarah McGregor, no one else we'd rather have uh, with us from Bloomberg to walk us through a bumpy, bumpy, bumpy trade day. Uh, again, folks, the president, as well as the traders, as he calls them, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, they've talked to reporters within the last hour, and they said that the president's tweet is accurate. Sometimes that's not always the case, but it was not a threat just made on Twitter. Uh, the president says that they are – and the White House and administration officials are saying that uh, on Friday they're going to raise tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese good to 25 percent. Currently, it's at 10 percent. This is a Chinese trade delegation is set to come uh, later this week. Is it a bluff? Is it a negotiation? We'll find out. We'll cover it from every angle. Again, though, don't forget about USMCA or NAFTA 2.0 and the Senate Finance Committee Chairman, Chuck Grassley, a Republican from where else? Iowa, dead center in the agricultural trade-impacted zone, ground zero for that. He says if there are still tariffs on steel and aluminum, USMCA is dead. He was at the White House last week. Trade talks on multiple fronts now. Feeling the pressure. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television. Much more with my all-star panel, Molly Mitchell, a Democrat, Matt Gorman, a Republican. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Thanks for listening. It's Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. The Russians must go. We want every country. Iran is in there today. They need to leave as well. Every country that is interfering with the Venezuelan people's right to restore their own democracy needs to leave. That was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo speaking on Sunday's ABC This Week uh, with... uh, uh, chief White House correspondent for ABC News and, and the host of it, Jonathan Carl. Uh, look, Secretary of State Pompeo talking about the escalating situation in Venezuela, the essentially globally recognized president of Venezuela, Juan Guaido, uh, telling the BBC within the last 24 hours that he would, quote, evaluate all options, end quote, to force out the dictator Maduro, Nicolas Maduro, uh, including whether or not to ask the U.S. for military or not. I don't want to say military, including I'll be very specific here, including about whether or not to even ask for increased U.S. intervention in Venezuela. The U.S. uh, has recognized Juan Guaido, the National Assembly leader of Venezuela, as who he is, the national 
the nationally elected leader of, of Venezuela, as has, by the way, French President Emmanuel Macron and dozens of other countries around the world. Uh, and it's a nonpartisan issue really here in the U.S. with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, joining President Trump uh, on this particular issue as as well. Uh, we're going to continue to follow that story, obviously a major story uh, geopolitically as well. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're following multiple fronts tonight as headlines have broken regarding the trade issue with China. The president making good on his promise that as of Friday, 12.01 a.m., he will increase uh, billions of dollars worth of tariffs against the Chinese. A Chinese delegation is set to come to the U.S. the second half of this week. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer talking to reporters uh, within the past 60 minutes and saying that uh, they are all, all systems ago in terms of increasing those tariffs on Friday. This to the chagrin of the business community, stocks including uh, the, uh, including major companies, including Apple, John Deere, B- uh, Boeing, as well as uh, Caterpillar, sliding on that news. Uh, it could be a trade tactic. It could be a negotiation tactic. We'll we'll find out in the second half of this week. But clearly not what Wall Street wanted, not what the business community wanted. And it injects volatility and uncertainty into the market. But the president, when I talk to folks at the Treasury Department, they say it's a marathon. Not a sprint. Play the long game. Play the long game. Look for the forest from the trees. Because, look, from their perspective, from their vantage point, it's just potentially a trade tactic. With me for the hour, Molly Mitchell, director at Hamilton Place Strategies and former Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee director of media affairs. Matt Gorman is vice president at Targeted Victory and former NRCC communications director. So while all of this is going on with trade, another red headline crosses the Bloomberg terminal. This hour, can't make it up, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin will deny the latest attempt by House Democrats to obtain six years of President Trump's personal tax returns. He wrote a letter. This letter just came out moments ago to the House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal. A Democrat. He says that Neal's request, quote unquote, lacks a legitimate legislative purpose. No surprise, right? Not at all. No. And, and look, this is following the Trump playbook from his business career, right? Delay, get it out in the courts, you know, outlast them, grind it out. And, and look, again, as I was saying before, the more they talk about this, the more this becomes part of the agenda. This doesn't eventually – it won't help Democrats, right? There's a very, very, very small contingent of the Democratic – or I should say the electorate that is going to – this issue is going to motivate them in any real way. I totally agree with Matt, which I know is a rarity, but wow. there is – there is a, a really a, a thin line for how well this plays. I, I think obviously the Democrats need to investigate and it was worthwhile to ask for the tax returns to be released. No one was holding their breath that they would actually get released. Obviously, Trump is trying to run out the clock, like Matt said. But really, for 2020, the focus, I mean, frankly, for both the House and for uh, the presidency has to be on issues that voters actually care about. Impeachment, frankly, isn't one of them. It's health care. It's the tax cuts. It's 
whether or not you feel like this economy is actually working for you. And that's what Democrats need to be talking about, not impeachment. I, I totally agree okay, with Okay, but Nancy take Pelosi. us into the war room. Take us into the political war room. Go back to when you were the uh, the committee director of media affairs for the for the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. When you were the director of media affairs for the for the D Triple C, you would want to push out, release the tax returns. No, you would want to go on multiple fronts. You can, I mean, they're, oh, I, I think that's true. So what's the calculation but, from Democrats to do this? Totally, I think we we. It's it's two sided, right? It's if Trump really really plays up, it's a witch hunt. They're after me, and it's fake. That riles up his base, but it just distracts. It distracts from the conversation about health care, from tax cuts. I think what we saw, at least in 2018 for the Dems, is that what we were trying to take on was a culture of corruption, right? So it's not just Trump. It was also Republicans and Congress were corrupt. I think the better play here, it's, it's going to be nearly impossible to impeach him before his term is up with a Republican so controlled Senate. So that's the reality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Kevin? no, I totally. So, so the reality is it's better to use Barr as a proxy, right? You know, that the eternal attorney general, maybe we should try to impeach him. I don't know. I think that's just a much better play than trying to get rid of a president. But see, this is what I find interesting is the reality here. The three of us know this. No one is seriously talking about impeachment in no. any of our circles, media, Democrats or conservative circles. And so but I just learned something because every time I hear I'm like. They, they, they can't actually think they're going to get the president's tax return. But Molly's saying, essentially, it's this broader picture that Democrats have, have adopted as a strategy, which is – and you're hearing this on the 2020 field, which is paint a picture and, – and again, whether or not you agree or disagree, regardless – paint a picture of this culture of corruption. One of the few – potent attack lines we have. We didn't have many at our disposal last time was, though, that if Democrats took the House, it would be about obstruction and dysfunction, right? And so that was one of the few things we had. So we, we played the impeachment card quite a bit. We played the endless investigations. And so I think that's partly why you need to make it broader. And I think it's partly why you, like the, the most successful raises that Maya I know can attest, I'm sure, was the fact that when you're talking about health care, gun control, on and on and on, you know, and, and, and salt, whatever, right? No, no, it, that's 100% true. And frankly, the culture of corruption just, it, it plays, but it plays to an extent. I mean, I think Americans, both on the coast and in the heartland, just think Congress doesn't work. So if the Democrats go in and all they do is obstruct, it's not great for us. I mean, that's why, you know, Dems and Nancy Pelosi want an infrastructure deal. I mean, they want to move all their legislation. So it's like, look, we investigated, but also we actually got to work for you and reelect us to do the same. You that know? was the biggest about face I saw within the past seven days, not just from Democrats, but also from the White House. When President Trump says that he's not going to work with anybody uh, and if they're going to investigate, and now they're working on infrastructure. Maybe Washington uh, isn't as broken as we think. Republicans have a problem Yeah, the Republicans that. hate that. Yeah. Got to leave it there. Yeah. And I didn't even get to say, Matt, we didn't even get to talk about the one topic that I know Matt Gorman <laughs> yes. wanted to talk about, the Met Gala. And Molly. Molly I know. Yeah. It's my Super Bowl, Kevin. This is it's your Super Met Bowl. Gala. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm, going, I'm going hardcore after this. we didn't talk this. about the baby, the royal baby. Merkel had a baby. I, I'm, I'm not Merkel. a royal. I, I apologize. I'm not a, I'm not a, and I don't care about the Kentucky Derby. All of these things we didn't get to 
Not Mer- wait, who had the baby? Markle. Markle not Merkel. Mark. That, that would have <laughs> been. That would have been. Right, we're going to leave it there. My thanks. To, I want to see that baby. The control room is yelling at me as well for not knowing this. Molly Mitchell, Matt Gorman, I appreciate the time. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes, Bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. Check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.